0: Well, good morning from Sydney. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie? No, nah, I'm just joking. Oh, you guys actually know that. we. I've got my Wallabies jumper just under here. Next World Cup, we're coming. No, we're not. They can't even get a coach at this stage, so don't worry about that. Well, it's my honour and privilege to be here. Um, I'm Pastor Rod. We, uh, we planted and passed the Sydney campus My beautiful wife Delfina over here, can you give a little wave please? She's been us the whole way, she's a great teammate and also my brother's moved over recently. We are pulling Kiwis one by one. If anyone wants to get to Sydney, let me know, help you out a little bit. But um, thanks Katie and Jules, Pastor Jules, I should call you these days. Thank you so much for having us here, it's a real honour. Um, I was going to say, did you have, obviously didn't have anyone else, but um, actually I really appreciate being here and it's so nice being amongst family. Some of you I know, some of you uh, I won't know, so um, yeah, Church Unlimited Sydney, so we moved over about six or seven years ago. Um, we started in our home. Uh, we, we, we actually had lists of people like this with about 30 names on it where we had gone previously to do some headhunting. And when we moved, uh, one by one, everyone on our list decided not to come. So I was like, God, what are you doing? But he obviously knows what he's doing. It's been a journey of faith. So we've been in a building for a number of years where we seated you know, maybe up to 60 or 70, but we weren't able to push any further. But we've just secured a new building in the last few weeks. So thank you, Jesus. So next year is looking exciting. So look, thank you for all your prayers. Um, yeah, keep praying for us. It's still a pioneering work. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, we love what Pastor Jules and Kate are doing here in the city. Um, yeah, so it's really, really good to be here today. I was thinking back, actually, I've known Jules and Katie for quite some time, but Jules, we did do music together. He was other, uh, eh, he can't get away from it, can he? He's still on guitar, still singing. I was on these things over here, and we had some great times. I remember, though, we, uh, I think I met you at Crystal Mountain. Now, Jules was from Christchurch, and he was like, oh, what's up, bro? Like, like, eyes up like this, and I was like, oh, hey, man. Hi, how are you, man? And we sat down and started talking. We we're both musicians, and we got on really, really well. We've seen God move in some crazy ways, and it's quite amazing to think all the way back then, these two little punk kids in the worship band are now pastoring churches, which is, um, God is good, eh? God is absolutely amazing. Um, a few things I've learned while being in Australia. Um, I didn't think that roadworks could actually be completed, um, but they can be, I've found out. Um, Wallabies are actually one of the best teams in the world, just not at rugby. And the Auckland Warriors might actually be a good team one day. Well, maybe it was this year. You know, they said, keep the faith about four years ago. I was like, Warriors, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you've broken my heart too many times, and now I support Manly. But you know what? I think we should probably pray this morning. So can we pray this morning? Father, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you for this time of Christmas. It's a time of giving the time of gratitude towards you because you sent your son. God, you gave us everything. You gave us your everything so that we might have life, life to the full. Lord God, we thank you for this time of year. What a beautiful Sunday this is, God. So we pray you'd speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. No Jules has been uh, doing a bit of a series with you guys about coming to see Jesus and that and that whole thought of the experience of who God is and I think a verse I'd like to kind of base today on is Psalm 34, 8, which says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. And let me tell you that the Lord is amazing. I often think of God in a very simple form, kind of like chocolate. Who, anyone here a big chocolate fan? I used to like Cadbury chocolate until they stopped making it in New Zealand and then never tasted the same. But we can talk all day about what chocolate is and the different types and the texture and all that but instead of that, if someone hasn't had chocolate, you just give them a piece, don't you? And all that explaining goes away. And they, in that moment, they taste what chocolate is. And I think God's like that. We can talk about Him. But once you experience Him, once you have an encounter with Him, everything changes. And this is kind of like my story. And I'm going to share a bit of, a bit of that um, today. You know, growing up, uh, I'm a pastor's kid. Any other pastor's kids in the room? Okay, naughtiest kids in the room. You've just seen them all. Most of them are not kids now, but that was me. I was a pastor's kid. Um, I've always found with pastor's kids, there's two types. There's the ones who listen, and there's the ones that don't listen. Um, I was the latter. You know, teenage years, I grew up still in church, still there every Sunday, wearing my best as you do. Um, but I couldn't say I'd found my faith to be my own. Yeah, I was doing some work with youth and, and playing drums and stuff, Um my life kind of changed when I got my driver's license. Before that, it was a skateboard. Uh, the other day I got my license, I never went on my skateboard again. So I got a little bit obsessed with cars. Any, you know the car nuts today? Okay. You're all undercover. All right, it's just me. Well, I built this car called an Evo. You know those ones that make loud noises at night? Yep, I'm sorry. Sorry, parents, that was me. But I built this machine. It was 500 horsepower. I took all the weight out of it. It weighed only 1,000 kilos. We took out the dash. We took out the carpets, we took out the air con, we took out the door trims, we took out the roof lining. Why? To make it faster. We took out even the back seats. It was all about going faster. So I was part of a bit of a car crew, um, pretty large car crew, and you know on a Friday, Saturday night, uh, there's a few lovely roads in South Auckland like Ross Common Road and Harris Road and different ones like that, and they became our streets of uh, enjoyment, you might say. So I was doing all this, so one particular night... Uh, there was a bit of a, a bit of rivalry between a few different car clubs, and I was always keen to race absolutely anyone. I was a, a bit kamikaze like that. And we, and we lined up with this guy, and I've got a number plate, all right. Now my car is a, a Lancer GSR, so my number plate is GSR8U. Like, yes, I'm going to eat you when I beat you in a race. That was, and I wasn't known by my face, right? I'm known by my number plate. So we lined up on this road, and I can't remember the car, but he was way faster than me. And we raced, and that was great. And we came back, and we're like, let's go again. And then. Going back was fine, but then we turned around, the amount of blue and red lights you could see was incredible. So we had been blocked in by maybe 10 or 15 cop cars, and they clearly weren't too happy with us. So we came up with a story of me being a mechanic. I'm not a mechanic. I was just helping fix his car. So they kept us for a while and gave us some hefty fines and um, got home at 5 or 6 a.m. And um, I was at church to play drums at 8 (laughs) a.m. This was my life. This was my life. You know, my life changed dramatically when I was 21. So as Jules mentioned, we used to go to uh, uh, these missions trips, and we'd do them in various areas, but the main one we'd go to was the Mount. Um, And we went there, and most years, you know, we'd do good things in the community, do witnessing, barbecues, and a whole lot of things that would break every health and safety rule these days. It was pretty pretty, pretty raw back then, a bit of fun. Some are uh, some, uh, good memories. But there's one night. It was the 1st of January uh, 2009 or, yeah, you know, 31st of um, December oh eight. And, um, yeah, everyone, you know, time of worship and singing and someone shared a word. And when you have these times with God where you set aside time, where there's no time limit, I don't know what it is, but God turns up. When you give him that freedom to move, he'll turn up. And um, people are on the front and crying and on their knees. And um, me, the heathen, I was sitting at the back with my brother, actually my brother Tim, and I remember saying these words, why is everyone crying? I hate it when they cry. And Tim's like, oh, you know, be quiet, or, or, or something of like that that nature. But then in my mind, I, I don't know how this quite happened, I decided the best idea was for me to come to the front and pray for someone. What I had to offer, I have no idea in this moment. But I started praying, It's actually for Delphine, his brother, which I prayed for. And as I started to pray, I can't really explain it Anything more than the Holy Spirit entirely took over me in this moment. Now you're thinking this is a a semi lukewarm, semi backslidden kind of pastor's kid that is at missions, not really partaking entirely. And I start to pray, and I start to pray, and the praying gets louder, the intensity grows. And I can't explain, but there was such an intense fire inside my heart. And it didn't just last for a minute. We were there for hours. And I started to pray prayers which I don't even know what I was saying. But it was almost as if the Holy Spirit was speaking through me, praying to God for revival. Psalm 51, there's a prayer that says that a humble and contrite heart, God, you won't despise. And I started to pray this back to God. And I, as I could hear myself praying, I almost felt disrespectful in the way that I was praying because I've never prayed in this way before. But when the Holy Spirit takes over you, it, it talks about on one side, well, you almost become like another person. When the Holy Spirit takes over you, you become like another person. And so this happened and I was praying and I was praying and started to hand out different prophecies. And I still wasn't quite aware of what was happening. So we I don't know what time we finished, but it was late and I... Woke up the next morning and Pastor Sam, I went to him almost like semi-apologetic because I don't like to make a fuss. I don't like to be in the spotlight unless I have to. And I was like, oh, sorry, Sam. Like, was that okay? He was like, yeah, that was amazing. And I was like, oh. I hadn't quite worked out what had happened. I remember going, you know, just getting ready for the day. And I looked in the mirror. I remember looking at myself and I just said, Jesus is coming soon. And I just bawled my eyes out. Just bawling my eyes out, knowing that Jesus is coming soon and that God is getting his bride ready and that you and I are part of the answer of bringing a revival to a world that needs it. So out of that, for the next probably three, four, five months, I would have visitations of God. I would encounter in my room for hours upon hours and just write things down. Look, you're talking to, I'm still a kid at this stage. I don't really know what's going on, but all I know is that I'm desperate to meet with Jesus. And I'd pray in my room, and I knew that Jesus was standing right there in front of me day after day. And I asked him through, I said, can I see you, Jesus? Please, it was, I can't explain the relationship, but it was like he was standing there right right there with me. And he would speak, and I would write, and I became so passionate. And Jesus absolutely ruined me for anything else apart from his presence. You know, your story might not be anything like mine, but can I tell you that everything starts with an encounter. The verse in John 7 where Jesus says, All you who are thirsty come to me. I have not seen a time where I have come to Jesus thirsty and not gotten what I needed. You know, in life we have a lot of responsibility. We have kids and jobs and pressures and challenges. But can I tell you that when you encounter God, it resets our focus on what's actually important. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we focus on Him, He will get us through those things. One thing I hadn't told you is that prior to this missions trip, we used to have a prayer room back at Church Unlimited West, and it was a 24-7 prayer room. And um, my dad, uh, he had gently encouraged me, slash forced me to go into the prayer room twice a week for the uh, for the three months prior um, to the mission trip. So I went in there twice a week, and, a, and you have like an hour slot. And look, some weeks I'd pray, other weeks I'd have a bad attitude and would lie on the seats and look at my phone waiting for the time to finish. But I was like, oh, man, okay, God, you know, help us at the mission trip. May it be a good mission trip. And look, I did put in some effort, but for how far God came towards me, I am not deserving of what he has done for me. I'm not deserving of the encounter that he gave me. But can I tell you that when, when, when James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, my drawing looked like this and Jesus' drawing looked like this. This morning, can I encourage you that maybe you think, oh, I haven't had a, a recent encounter with God. When did you really feel his presence? When did he speak to you in such a way from his word? Well, when you draw near to him, and you make time for him, can I tell you that he is faithful and he will meet with you afresh. I love that verse in Philippians 1 verse 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, some of us can get worried or we're unsure about the future or what our calling or our purpose looks like. Can I tell you that if God started it and he did, He's going to be the one to bring it to completion for you. But if you're unsure of where you're going, if you're unsure of direction, if you're unsure of the future, come back and sit at the feet of Jesus. And let me tell you, He will give you your absolute everything. You know, now I've I've been pastoring for six, almost seven years, and there's many a time I've had to come back to God and just sit at His feet and come back to that place of reset encounter Him, hear His voice, and move forward again. I've got three kind of brief things to share with you this morning. If we talk about tasting and seeing, if we talk about that experience of come and see Jesus, I think it's three simple steps. And my first one would be to encounter him. My second is stepping out. And my third looks like persisting at that. You know, just as I was praying for the uh, city, I just had a few verses this morning that I thought I'd share for you. I felt, I'm not sure if it's one or for many, but I'd like to share that with you. Uh, this morning, can we just turn to Joel chapter 2, verses 25, please? Who's got their physical Bibles? I remember past half making a, uh, a joke, but not a joke, a few weeks ago about us all bringing our physical Bibles, which I think is great. Joel 2, verse 25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Bit of an interesting verse, but as I was praying, this is what I felt. Maybe this morning as I've been talking about encounters with God, and maybe there's a, a sense of regret for some of you this morning. Maybe it's regret that of decisions that have happened, or maybe mistakes that have been done in the past. Maybe there's regret about things that have taken place that you're unsure what you can do, and there's nothing that you can do to change it. But I believe that God is the God of restoration. It says here that God can restore the years. God says it's not too late. A fresh encounter is available for you today, and that God can move in your life again. So if today, even at Christmas, you're feeling, oh, and you're looking back at the past, and you're unsure, and you're worried, and you don't know what things look like moving forward, can I tell you that God is the God of restoration? Maybe there's restoration in your families. Maybe there's restoration with children, or maybe it's your parents. Maybe there's other key relationships, but God says, I will restore the years. And I want to leave that with you this morning, because that's what God wants to do in your life. So my second part of experience, experiencing Jesus today is to take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. See, we encounter him, we get an idea of his plan, his purpose, and then we step out with that. So our stepping out looked like going to Sydney and starting a church. It was never um, our idea at all. So as I told you, I'm a pastor's kid. So all my life I said these words, I will never be a pastor. Let me tell you, whether you're praying or not, God still listens to your words. Be very careful. Because God is now laughing at me, going, Ha, that's what you said. Now look where you are. So there was a period of about six months. Delphina and I were now married. By the way, at that same mission trip, I also met my wife, well, my wife to be. So it was a good mission trip all rounds. My world became complete, as they say. Happy wife, happy life. Amen. So we had been serving in church, we're doing music, and we're doing youth and a bunch of things, but there was a period in our life where we thought, there's got to be more. God, what do you have for us? And we just started to pray, God, whatever you have for us, we'll do it. Like, no idea, let me tell you, it had not been on our cards to make a career of trying to go and plant a church or do ministry. Um, I've got a sales background, I was very happy, sales was going good, I was enjoying that. But uh, one night, I had gone to watch uh, my friend who played in the NRL, and he came to play against the Warriors. And, of course, the Warriors, you think, everyone beats the Warriors, so um, it should be easy, and I'll be able to see my friend after the game. Well, the Warriors played good on this Sunday night, and they beat my friend's team, and they got kept in because they played so poorly. So I couldn't go and see my friend, and I thought, oh, I'll go back to church. So I got there. I think it was a 6 o'clock start. I must have got there after 7 sometime. I just snuck in the back. And sat down at the back, and um, there was a, a guest speaker preaching, and um, I was, you know, listening away. And then I almost, this is the closest thing I've heard to the audible voice of God, said, go to Sydney and start a church. Now, this is not in our thinking. This is not even West Auckland. You know, West is best, as they say, and I was very, very happy. Sorry, I'm in the central city. Now, West is almost as good as the city. Um <laughs> Almost heard the audible voice of God. And as I heard it and just processing it, the the preacher on stage says, I see new international campuses within about 10 seconds. At this point, I'm like, oh, oh, we're, we're moving to Sydney. And there was no thought. I thought, oh, I'll tell my wife. She'll, she'll she'll be able to talk some sense and tell me I'm silly. I told her, straight out of the church. And she's like, yep, let's go. I was like, right, great. <laughs> we're going. So we talked to Past Hark and our parents and, um, you know, submitted it to them and prayed through it, and it, then it became the plan that we're going to move to Sydney and start a church. So I'm quite a happy-go-lucky guy. I was like, oh, man, Sydney better watch out. We're going to go there, open the doors. Thousands will flock on the first Sunday in our home, thousands of them. So our first Sunday comes, and we open the door, and um, yeah, Delphina and I and Jesus, we ha- we had a great service together. Oh, good times, let me tell you. You know, you see another side of Jesus when you step out in faith. There's different sides of, of God that we can experience in different parts of our lives. There's the, the encounter where you sit with him and you're just, you're just wowed by his presence and his, you're just awed by how huge he is and how amazing and how personal he is. But there's nothing like stepping out of the boat and getting a little bit uncomfortable. James 2.26 says, So faith without works is dead. You and I have got to put that faith into action. The great thing I love is that even when we get uncomfortable and we don't think we've got it together, and trust me, this journey is Delphine and I just kind of tripping one foot over the other, figuring things out as we go, relying heavily upon God. And after a while, you see the hand of God starts to move. People start to come. Early on, we were on the trains in Sydney Trains in Sydney work properly, they're amazing, they arrive on time, leave on time, um, all these types of things. But even when we're on the train in Sydney, um, Delphina looks out the window, sees an old workmate from like five or six years and goes, hey, I used to work with her, text her, she's the first person to join our church, she's now one of our main worship leaders, Delphina did not even know she was in the church. So as time goes by, God has just set up key people to join our church. He's guided us. He's led us. Um, we ended up having a building through COVID, and obviously COVID was pretty challenging, and we had been looking for a new building for a long time, and we just got that in October 2023. So we're very, very grateful. It can seat 120, 130. So we're very excited about what God's going to do. But God had given us a prophecy right at the start uh, from Dave and Greta Peters. They are incredible people, and... They gave us a whole lot of things, but one of them was she talked about this, uh, Greta talked about this uh, uh, building kind of phase, a foundational phase. And she said, um, this will be a building phase. God will bring the right people along. And and I feel this part's going to be about six years long. That's all she wrote. The building that we had, we applied for earlier this year. Now, patience is not my strongest suit. I was pushing and pushing and following up, trying to get this building over the line, doing everything we could. The council, God bless their hearts, but they don't like to move too quickly. We are pushing for approval, and we finally got it signed in October 2023. That prophecy came in October 2017, exactly six years to what the prophecy had said. When you step out of faith, God will move on your behalf. My challenge to you this morning, you you may not be moving countries and planting a church next year and only do that if God calls you to do it, (laughs) let me tell you. But what does faith look like for you next year? Where is God calling you to take one step next year? Maybe it's in your job. Maybe God's put people around you that you can step out and share the gospel with. You know, I was, I was listening to some stuff on church leadership, and he just said this one line, he said, 80% of people come to church through personal invitation. And I was like, oh, so all the marketing and all the everything else, normally it's just saying, hey, do you want to come to church? Maybe stepping out of faith for you is, maybe there's a business that God's put on your heart, it's time to start. Maybe it is doing more in the house, maybe serving kids or doing some stuff for Pastor Jules and Katie, but... I think that when we step out of faith, that is where God moves. You know, a verse that got us through was Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 to 31. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Can I tell you, when you step out of faith, it's not easy. When you step out in faith, it can be a little bit scary. But the greatest thing about it is that God is with you when you step out in faith. Every time you take that step, He will be there with you. And I believe it's important that as the body of Christ, that we all take that step and we move out into all that God is calling us. You know, salvation, as we've talked about, it's a free gift. Salvation is something given to us freely. But I believe that purpose costs us everything. When we look at what God has called us through and have to run after that, we die to self and we run after all the things that God has put in our lives. The third thing that I see when it comes to experiencing Jesus is this word called persistence. Persistence. Something I've come to realize on my journey being in Sydney is that God's more interested in what he does in me rather than what he does through me. We can be all about what God wants to do and the great things we do for God. But actually, the most important thing that God is after for us is what he's doing in us, which is character. Who likes character? Amen. It's a a painful one. It's a painful one. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, it says this My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, gifting will take us places, but it's character that will keep us there. Doesn't mean that you and I stop dreaming and maintain the vision of what God has in our lives there's something that I've learned while we've been in Sydney is that God's in control of the timing and he's constantly tapping away at our hearts to mold us and make us into who he's called us to be. Has anyone here done a pottery course before? My hands up, I'm very proud. No one's done a pottery course. You should actually go and do it. You know how you can prejudge things? I was like, I'm not going near that thing. My wife loves pottery, so we along we went and we did a little pottery course and um, You sit there and they, you have a little wheel, I'll forget the terminology, but you have a little wheel and they they give you this like lump of clay to work with. And the interesting thing about the clay is that you need it and you're trying to make it into a bowl or something of, of that description, but it's a bit like our lives, isn't it? God is the architect, he has an idea of what he's trying to do in our lives and he's needing us and pushing us to make us what he would like us to be. And I think while we're there, it gets a bit uncomfortable. You have to really push it. You have to take some of the edges off. You've got to try and make it into the shape. And the shape doesn't know what it's going to be. And that's like us. We don't know where God's really trying to take us or what he really wants to do inside our lives. But we are this piece of clay. And he pushes it and he needs it. And one amazing thing is that towards the end of the protest, um, it's put onto a wheel and it spins around. And as it spins around, you use either your hand or like little tools just to shave off different parts. If that piece of pottery is not centered on the wheel, it'll become lopsided. If we don't go through the trials that God has for us and be completely where God wants us to be, we end up going through trials the wrong way. Maybe we become bitter. Maybe things go wrong and and we don't quite be where God would like us to be. But when you sit on that wheel and we stay there, even though it's painful, even though trials are not easy, even though all of us wants to react and move and go here or there, we stay right where God is wanting us. Why? Because he's the architect and he wants to make something beautiful out of our lives. When God does this, he'll have no problem moving through us. God will do so much through us. But first, it's got to be a work of the heart. You know, while we've been in Sydney, yep, look, there's definitely been some challenges along the way. When you're trying to, you know, pioneer or plant anything, there's, there's going to be major challenges. But one thing we learn is that you have to passage through these things the right way. If you don't, you'll come out of the other side not quite how God wanted you to be. Maybe you're facing something today. Maybe there's a hurt in the family. Maybe there's challenges at work or different things, and everything about you wants to leave that situation. Can I tell you, sometimes the hardest thing to do is stay right where God wants you to be. If God has you right there, he'll make a way forward for you. There's a a verse that says that God's grace is sufficient, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. God will get us through, and God will be able to move powerfully in our lives. There's a couple of verses that uh, got us through some very, very hard seasons. And I'd like us to just turn to those this morning. If we can just turn to Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27, and we're going to read verses 13 and verse 14. I would have lost heart unless I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, there was a period of time during COVID, we weren't able to come back to New Zealand. All of our family is here. We weren't really able to meet for church. And that's the whole reason that we're there. And we're doing the old Zoom online. And Zoom's a great tool, but it doesn't replace being in the room with people. And it was definitely a tough time. We thought, God, what are you doing here uh, in our lives? And God gave me this verse and said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes we lose heart because we also lose sight of how good God is. See, if God's brought you this far, he's not just going to drop you there. He doesn't just leave us places, but if God has brought us this far, He's going to continue doing that work. It goes back to Philippians 1 verse 6. God started the work in us, and He is going to bring it to completion. If you're going through something today, if you're struggling, can I tell you, refocus on the goodness of God. If you focus on the good that God is doing, He will bring you through what you are going through today. God is a good God. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Often, Delphine, I just had to grab scripture and read those things to encourage our hearts and to help us get through that period. But I can tell you, I can stand here by the grace of God. He is so faithful. He is so good. And there is an experience of God to be had in the middle of your wilderness. There's the God during our encounter. There's the God when we step out of faith. But I feel like God's grace is even more sufficient when you go through those trials. He is there. He does not leave you, and He does not forsake you. He is with you. So this morning, I just had one more thought for someone this morning. Sorry. There's a verse in John chapter 1, and I just had this thought that maybe it was for someone here this morning. There's just a line that that Nathaniel says in John 1. It just says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, we could replace that Nazareth with a whole lot of things, couldn't we? Can anything good come from my mistakes? Can anything good come from my past? Can anything good come from, and you can fill the blank in with some things in your own life? Can I tell you this morning that Ecclesiastes tells us that he makes all things beautiful in his time. And I'm not sure who I'm speaking to today. But I want to tell you that something good can come from your situation. That something can, good can come from your, from your past. That God can turn what may be broken and maybe mistakes and things that we can't change. And He can turn them around and make it beautiful. But the key is those last three words. In His time. If we hold on to God, if we don't let go, He will come through for us in due season. Galatians 6 talks about if we keep on doing good. In due season we shall reap. If you haven't seen something happen yet, guess what? Your season hasn't come. And that's a good thing because God is going to move. But it is our job to hold on to God and to keep on going. We cannot grow weary in doing good. But I'm not sure if I'm speaking to someone this morning. But maybe you think, can anything good come from? Let me tell you, it can. Let me tell you that it can. God is good and God is faithful. Can we just close our eyes, please, this morning? Can I get a... uh...